Okay. Um, this is Parshat Bo, and Parshat Bo has just got so many amazing things to talk about, and among them is Tfilin, because Tfilin appears in two places, in Parshat Bo and in Vatchanan slash Ekev, and it sort of matched Parashot, which is why within the discussions in the third parak of Menachot and among the Rishonim, we sort of think about the four Parashot of Tfilin as two pairs. There's Kadesh and Vayakiviacha, which originally on the source sheet I even had as, as one paragraph, because they are contiguous. And then there are the two paragraphs which are in Dvarim, in Shmain Vayam Shamoa. And of course, those are the four parshiot that mention Tfilin, or the four parshiot in which uh, that appear in that are in the Tfilin. So uh, you notice from the title, Kenegar Ba'at Tfilin Dibrat Torah is of course borrowed from Kenegar Ba'at Banim Dibrat Torah. But it's driven by the same consideration. Why do Chachamim say, Because we're bothered by the fourfold repetition of the mitzvah to teach our kids about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And we're accustomed to the Torah being quite economic in its legal um, literature and its commands. And so we developed the entire the idea of, um, of, of multiple modes of education and responding to the child where he is, etc., why is there? Why is the mitzvah feeling given four different times? And that you know, it's going to be you have a hard time to say. Well, that one's for a guy with short arm, one's for a left with a long arm, one's for a lefty. It's going to be hard to do that. Um, and uh, and so I'd like to explore it, but I'd like to add a certain question in uh, that will kind of drive the shiur. But before doing before doing so, um, it is a. a, a a totally bitter, there's nothing sweet about it, a totally bitter honor that I have uh, to de- dedicate this year to the memory of a very dear friend uh, who has been sick for a while, who was a participant in the Shior for many years when we met live in Lee Sampson's office and since we moved to Zoom uh, and uh, and has been a personal friend for decades. Uh, and that's uh, Sam, Dr. Sam Smith, who passed away yesterday. The Levi is taking place just about as we speak, um, and um, our hearts go out, of course, to Judy and to and to Dina and to Rachel and to and to David, um, and um, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a difficult time. Um, at some other time, perhaps I'll share a few memories, personal memories with Sam, but I will point out that Sam, who also is the one who really brought Bill into the Shear to a great extent. Uh, Bill Goldstein, and it was at Sam's table that I met Bill Goldstein for the first time, and a lot of other people. Uh, but it was uh, after I became uh, a little bit of a Ben Bayit uh, <laughs> at the Smith's house, way, way back before I met my wife. Uh, it was there that uh, Sam and Judy uh, requested that I uh, that I give a weekly shear at their house, and we had quite a nice crowd that would meet there. It was back in the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, and uh, it was really a, a wonderful experience, and um, and I can say that when Sam participated in the shiur, both live when we were meeting and also over the last couple of years uh, in Zoom, he would always ask piercing questions. It came from a place that I would have never thought of. It was he would ask questions uh, that that re- that reflected uh, an insight and a consideration and a concern that wasn't part of my palate. And palette, I mean, in the uh, P A L E T T E, and um, 
and I loved him for it, and I love him for it, and uh, he's he's very much missed. And uh, you know, his name Shmuel Yaakov Ben Avraham Yitzchak is, if you think about it, a quite a special name, uh, because um, Chachamim say that when Hashem calls somebody who He loves very much, He calls him by mentioning his name twice. And who who are those people who Hashem's mentioned their names twice? So one is Avraham Avraham. That's at the Akedah. And one of them is Yaakov Yaakov. And one of them is Shmuel Shmuel. And Yitzchak, who Hashem doesn't call by name at any point, uh, is very beloved to God, as we see. And then the Midrash is <laughs> filled with this uh, as a result of the Akedah. And Yitzchak is Eferot, Savur, Tachat, Kisya, Kavod, etc. And so we know that Sam was somebody who was very beloved both by everybody who knew him and by Kodesh Baruch Hu. And we very much miss him. And of course, it's incumbent upon us um, those of us who were who were privileged to know him and, and call him a friend, to take though that smile and that very gentle spirit uh, and that piercing intellect, and to uh, to keep it going, and uh, and and try to fill in the gap to whatever extent possible that we that uh, that's been that's been left in our lives. In any case, we're dedicating this year to his memory, uh, as we are dedicating all of the shiurim since October seventh. Uh, to uh, tefillah for uh, for eradication of evil and and peace everywhere and peace specifically in Eretz Yisrael. Um, the question that I'd like to begin with um, is a question that arrives arises from this curious passage in Masachat Sanhedrin, which is almost at the end of our source material, and that is the question of the Gemara asks of how we know that you have four batim in the tefillin. Right, and it's a famous sugya that we've talked about in another context earlier. And Rabbi Shmuel's position is because of the way that the word letotafot, letotafot, and letotafot is spelled, the orthography of letotafot in the three times that it appears. Because you have to remember that in the first appearance, the Tzvil and Shorosh are called zikaron. We're going to talk about that, but that letotafot, letotafot written without vavs, which implies perhaps single, so one and one, and totafot written in Akev with two vavs, implying multiple, one, one, and two is four, that's Rabbi Ishmael. Rabbi Akiva says that the word tat in katfi, is that Coptic perhaps, and pat in some other African language means shtayim, so totafot together, two and two is four. All right, however difficult Rabbi Akiva's approach is, and however odd and unusual Rabbi Ishmael's approach is, and if you look at the Tosfot there in Sanhedrin, you'll see the Tosfot says that our Sifrei Torah don't look like that, and Totafot is spelled differently in our Sifrei Torah, and you look at our Sifrei Torah in the 21st century, and you'll see that they're spelled not, neither like Tosfot describes nor like what the Gemara describes. That's all partial by itself, pun intended. But, but the main question that I'm, that I'm driving here at, why doesn't the Gemara simply say, obviously you have four Batim and the Tfilin because there are four parshiot of tefillin. And perhaps that's the reason the Torah mentioned tefillin four different times. So you'll know that you'll have four different batim in the tefillin. The Gemara, nobody goes in that direction. I've never seen anybody suggest that. And clearly, that's how it plays out, because you have four batim, because each bayit has one of the parshiot in it. But why don't they use that as a clue for explaining why we have four batim? It must be that the four mentions of tefillin are more inherent and in turn, in, inherently significant uh, that we can't see them as being extra there to teach something about numbers. 
So let's take a look at tefillin in its four presentations. And of course, you will see that not one of them is similar to another, meaning there are four unique presentations, although in some cases it's a uniqueness of nuance and not of words. All right. The first appearance is in the parsha that we refer to as Parshat Kadesh, Kadesh Licho Bechor, which is, starts with Hashem commanding Moshe about Kiddush Bechorot as a result of the Makat Bechorot and the Pesach. And then Moshe reminds everybody that when they come to the land, they're going to have the, the holiday, get rid of chametz, you can eat matzot, tell your child about it, and then, you should have for yourself this thing as a sign on your hand, and as a commemoration between your eyes. Now, how we learned that al means the arm, and how we learn that beninacha means on your forehead and not between your eyes. That's midrash halacha in both cases. And then an odd phrase: so that the Torah of Hashem should be in your mouth. Now, by the way, it's important to note that Torah Hashem is a phrase that hasn't shown up yet. And this is, remember, merely fifty plus psukim after the first time we got any mitzvot. So we're very new to mitzvot, and Torah Hashem is not something that we're familiar with at this point as a phenomenon. And yet, tefillin is given as so the Torah of Hashem should be in your mouth. In your mouth seems to mean you should be saying it, repeating it. The sentence here is, is strange and the and the sequence is strange. And that's why some Rishonim say, read it sort of suras, meaning move the words around. And read it. In other words, informed by the later, the second parasha, they suggest that the reason for tefillin is because Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, and there's an added piece here, which is Torah Hashem should be b'ficha. But guess what? That's not the order that's in. So we we're faced with a tristic pasuk, three components. One is the mitzvah. One is the, the goal behind the mitzvah, and one is the reason behind the mitzvah. Mitzvah is tefillin. The goal of the mitzvah is you should always have the Torah of Hashem in your mouth. How do those two things connect at all? And then the third one is that Hashem took us out of with a strong hand. How does that connect? So we'll come back to it, but that's the first time. Now, parenthetically, Pasuk Yod becomes a little bit of a conundrum because v'shamartata chukah hazot l'mu'adam yamim yamima. You shall maintain this chukah. What chukah is that? So there are those, Yosef says that chukah is chukah tefillin. And that's how we know tefillin is only yamim and not leilot, and therefore zaman tefillin is only bayom. And that's why in Eretz Yisrael they used to make a bracha lishmor chukav when they take their tefillin off at the end of the day. And mi yamim v'loko yamim, and that's how we know that Shabbat and Yom Tov, you don't wear tefillin. However, if you take a look at the entire context here and uh, the passage before it, which starts with Zot Chukat HaPesach, so some Rishonim suggest Shamarta Chukah HaZot means Chukat HaPesach. And that means you have to maintain the Chukat HaPesach Limoada, meaning in its time, the 14th of Nisan, year after year. And it has nothing to do with Tefillin. In which case we then are left with, well, how do we know you don't wear Tefillin at night? And how do we know you don't want to fill on Shabbat and Yom Tov? And that's where we get into another discussion. We're just pointing out the, the difficulties of this passage. Immediately afterwards, this is the next pasuk, you are, we are told that when we come to the land, 
we're going to separate and offer our firstborn animals, separate and redeem our firstborn donkeys, and identify and redeem our firstborn sons. Right? And now, your kid's going to ask you, what's this? Meaning, why are the Bechorot being singled out this way? This is what you tell them. Hashem took us out with a strong hand. By the way, that's what appears in our Haggadot as the answer. Now, if you think about it, it's not an answer. Why are we setting aside Bechorot? Because Hashem took us out with a strong hand. The Torah provides more. Paro became stubborn and would not let us out. Hashem killed every Bechor in Mitzrayim. People and animals. Therefore, I am offering up all the firstborn animals and redeeming my firstborn sons. Okay. And that's the full answer. Because Paro was stubborn, and therefore Hashem did Makat Bechorot, and therefore the Bechorot are holy, and I'm bringing them to God. Nice. Now, if you take a look at the two highlighted passages in front of you, which are in Pasuk Tet and Pasuk Tet Zion, ten Pesukim away from each other, nine Pesukim away from each other, less, seven, um, they seem to be exactly the same thing, with the exception, which is Yadcha is written a little differently in the second one, Drasha Yad Keha, Zikaron becomes totafot, what a totafot, and then yad chazaka bechozik yad, and then of course the mantiyat is missing from the second one. But otherwise, what's the purpose of the second passage? It's really not adding anything. And you think about it, the parak could have the, the passage could have stopped after bechol bechor Kaddish, the end of the kriya. Why add this pasuk? What's it there for? So I know everybody's favorite Ramban is on that Pasuk. If the Pasuk weren't there, they wouldn't be there. Of course, the Ramban would find somewhere else to say it. It's a gorgeous Ramban. If you have a chance to last Ramban, Bo, have a chance to read it this Shabbat, you'll, you'll, you'll be very happy. But what's the purpose of the Pasuk? So before addressing it, I'd like to look at the full picture. We move ahead to Sefer Dvarim, and Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching B'nai Israel and Shema Israel. And then, Vayu Advarim Ha'eleh, the words that I command you today, the words that Moshe is commanding you today in his farewell speech, which are all part of the larger thing that Moshe has been commanding you, should be al-levavecha. Right? Now, by the way, I want you to take a look back here. What part of the body was mentioned in the first mention of tefillin, besides the part you put it on? It was beficha. Here it is al-levavecha. We'll have to see what that's about. So these words which I command you, the whole picture, you should repeat them over and over with your kids, and you should speak about them yourself. And all of the things that we learn from there, including Kriyat Shema, but the simple read of it is, talk the words of the mitzvot constantly. Sitting, standing, sleeping, waking, all the time. Talk the words of Torah. And what do you do with them? Not only that, but wrap yourselves in them. And wear them. And write them on your doors. Now you notice that the context of tefillin in Source 3 
is radically different than in the first two sources. First of all, what do you notice is not mentioned in source three, which is prevalent in source one and two? What's missing? The reason. Uh, okay, perhaps, but something much more glaring. It's Yemitzrayim. Yemitzrayim is not there. In the first two passages, Tefillin is all about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Put on Tefillin so you don't forget Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Put on Tefillin because Hashem took you out with a strong hand. And here, suddenly put on Tefillin, Yitzhak Mitzrayim is not even mentioned. It's nowhere in this parsha. And if you look at Vayayim Shemua, you'll see very much the same thing. Which is Dvarai Eila? Go back to Pasuk Yod Gimel. See, we, we forget because we read this parsha in order twice a day. We forget the context. So I'm going to skip the small print because I'll mention what the small print is now and then I'm going to skip it and reading it. The small print, it's not small print, but it's the, the psukim in the middle are psukim about the reward and the consequence of either listening or respectively not listening to the mitzvot that I give you. But let's let's elide that for a minute. If you listen and obey the mitzvot that I give you, which is I being Moshe. Here's the word. To love and worship Hashem with everything you got. <clears throat> and then how do you do that? You put these words. Put them on your heart. Tie yourselves up with them. Adorn yourselves with them. Teach them to your kids so they should speak them. Now, you'll notice that this parsha also does not make any mention of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But then you ask the question, which you must have asked at some point in your lives, which is, why is the entire sequence of Tfilin, Tamut Torah, Mezuzah repeated in this parasha? Yes, it's in a different order. Yes, there's different words. It's not Ukshartam, it's Ukshartem Otam. Fine. Still, why are these mitzvot given again? I think the conundrum should be clear. But you understand now why we group instinctively and intuitively, we group the four parashiot of tefillin into Kadesh slash Vayakiv on one side, and then Shema and Vayam Shemuan on the other side. Because not only are they literarily, meaning in their placement in the books, separated by that great divide, but they are also contextually and thematically split into those two groups. The first two are all about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. The last two are nothing to do with Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And they're all about mitzvot in general. So let's see if we can climb underneath that and see what's going on. Here are the questions. And again, thanks to, to Jason. Here are the questions um, that uh, we've already mentioned. Um, and so I'd like to take a look at just a few passages from Chazal that are going to light the way for us. In the Mechilta, we're all familiar with the Mechilta, the Mechilta of Ishmael, uh, in the passage, the first passage of Tefillin, it uses the phrase, Laman Hashem and it asks the question, and it looks at Laman Hashem right now from a purely Midrash Halacha lens, meaning this is, this is not what we call Parshanut, a moment of methodology. When we talk about parshanut, that means we're looking at a text and we're trying to figure out what's the text trying to communicate. What does the text mean? Who's the one speaking? What are they speaking about? That's parshanut. 
Midrash Halacha, on the other hand, is trying to say, what information am I supposed to mine from this pasuk with the odd way that it's mentioned or the odd phrases that it uses or the unusual ones or the repeated ones or the superfluous ones? So we're talking now not in the world of Parshanut, although we're going to get to it in a minute. We're talking right now in the world of Midrash. And the Midrash goes ahead to say, I would have every reason to think women have to wear tefillin because um, we would assume that everybody has to have a sign in memory of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And after all, tefillin are compared in Shran Vayim Shemuah to mezuzah by, by juxtaposition. Women are chayavot mezuzah. Therefore, the Pasuk says, Laman in the third line, at the end of the third line, Lo amarti el b'mishu chayav b'tamlu Torah, meaning the Torah, the Torah is linking with the mitzvah of tefillin and the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. And therefore, since women are formally excused from the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, therefore they're, they're, they're not chayav and tefillin, and then the Midrash mentions famously that Michal bat Shaul wore tefillin, and that Taviyavdo uh, shal Rabbi Gamliel wore tefillin also. But now there's another claim, which actually goes in what seems the opposite direction, which is Mikan Amru. And it's funny because if you ask, where will you find people who are filling all day? Where would you have to go to where see somebody wearing filling all day? Anybody? Have you ever seen anybody wearing filling all day? Yeah. You're going to see them in the base bedroom. Almost always you're going to see them in the base midrash. Which makes sense. They're in a place of tahara, and they're learning, and they're not, uh, and they're not um, bothered by uh, things that may be inappropriate, etc. But mikanamru, look at this. So wearing tefillin is as if you're learning, and if you're learning, you're patur from tefillin. Doesn't mean all the time. It means while you're learning, which kind of turns the mitziut a little bit inside out. But they're doing the, the midrash is doing this with our pasuk which means that the way it's reading it, we'll come back to this pasuk is so that it will be as if you're saying the words of Torah all the time by having tefillin on your arm and on your head. It's as if you're saying the words of Torah all the time. That's And now, what is that Torah that you're going to have? One thing. Because at this point in time, there's only one thing, and that is Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We haven't gotten Arsina yet. We haven't even gotten Shabbat yet. But we've got the Pesach and everything related to Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So all of that will be Kilo in your mouth. Now before going further to the, to the Midrashim, I want to point out the, the answer to number two. Because the question was, what number two seems to be totally redundant. But it's not. Take a look at source number two again and ask the question, Who's speaking in Pasuk Yodalad, in Tadvav, in Tadzain? Who's speaking? The answer, of course, is Hashem speaking. This is Sefer Shmot. But who is intended to be speaking here? So Hashem says, when your kid later asks you Mazot, here's what you tell him. Now, if we were to put quotation marks into our Sefer Torah, where would he put the open quotation marks? Open quote marks. Before what word? Bechozek. Bechozek. Everybody see it? Right here. Bechozek Yad, right there. 
You'd put quote marks there. Where would you end the quote? So most people instinctively would put end the quote at Efteh. Because the kid's asking me, why did you slaughter the firstborn, give the coin, the firstborn, have him slaughtered? Why did you redeem uh, your son, etc.? Which kid is asking this is clearly, uh, you know, a kid from a different mother or some neighbor. Can't be my own kid saying, why did you redeem my younger brother? Doesn't make sense. But that's where most people would put the end of the quotation, in which case we're left with this last pasuk is just hanging there doing nothing. I don't think that's where the quote, quote ends. I think the quote ends after Mimi Tzrayim, right there. Now take a look. What are you supposed to tell your kid? Hashem took us out with a strong arm. And the father continues by talking to his kid and saying, In other words, he's telling the kid, it's not just me and my actions of bringing the Bechor to the Kohen or redeeming my son who's a Bechor, it's also you. You have an obligation to commemorate Yitzhak Mitzrayim in your own way, and that is you are tefillin. And notice how it ends. Hashem took us out. You're talking to your kids still. He took us out with a strong hand. So you replicate that putting on tefillin. So you see that tefillin and Sefer Shemot is all about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But it serves two different functions. The first parsha, it serves the function of the commandment as part of our commemoration of Yitzhak Mitzrayim is to wear tefillin as a way of, sort of, always be talking about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And always having Torah Hashem in our mouth because Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Tefillin, the second time, is part of the answer to the kid, where we're telling the kid, this is what you should do. Now, there's a remarkable parallel to that in these two parshiot. But what has happened in the meantime? Remember, Tefillin and Shemot was given to us in our pre-infancy as a nation, as a commanded nation, shall we say. We didn't have mitzvot. We had the Pesach. We had chametz and Matzah. We had Rosh Chodesh. That's about it. Now Bechorot. And so then we're told, take that information and bind it on you so that you're always aware of it as if you're always speaking about it. And make sure your kids get the understand that's part of the answer to the kids. Now let's go to Sefer Dvarim. We've been to Har Sinai. We've been through the Midbar. We are in Marvot Moav. We've gotten the whole Torah. We've heard, we've made Britot, left, right, and center, all over. And now what does Moshe tell us as part of his farewell? Which means everything, all the things I've commanded you should be where? What was it in, in Sefer Shmot? What's the difference? We're going to talk about it at the end. And what do you do with these words? Repeat them to your kids. Speak about them all the time. Tie them on your arm. Put them as, a, as tiltafot between your eyes. And write them on your doorposts. In other words, surround yourself consistently, both in time and in place, with the words of Hashem. All the words of Hashem. Because now we've got the whole thing. At that point. We've got all the mitzvot at that point. And so you understand that what we're seeing is, sorry for saying it this way, maybe not sorry, evolved tefillin, or the evolution of tefillin, from being single topic to all topic, to omni-significant. 
And then what happens in Vayam Shamoah? How is Vayam Shamoah any different? The answer is here, V'samtem et devarai eile, alav avchem v'yal nafshechem. Look at the difference. In Shema, it's v'hayuad v'yamayela. Let these words be on your heart. Now it's place them on your heart. Ukshartem otam, different than ukshartam. Tie them, it's a more intense kind of statement. And now what's that all about? The key is here, v'limadetem otam et b'neichem et abirbam. What's the difference between v'limadetem otam et b'neichem and v'shinantam levanecha? V'shinantam levanecha is part of the outgrowth of your own obsession with Torah. You're always speaking Torah, so repeat it with your kids. Means teach your children that they should be speaking about it all the time. You see the difference? The difference between the Dibartabam means you talk about them all the time. The Dabarbam means you coach them that they should speak about it all the time. And so Vayayim Shamoah becomes a mirror to Shema, but it's a mirror to the second generation. This is what you have to train your kids to do. And notice one other addition. In Shema, it's Now the lev is not the seat of emotions in Tanakh. The lev is the seat of thinking in Tanakh. Right, it's a place where, where, you, where you recollect things, where you reflect on things. It's what we might call the mind. Notice in the first part of Shema, these things should always be on your mind. What about the second? Not only on your mind, but understand that they are vital to your life. Why is that? Because now it's about passing it on to the next generation. And part of passing on to the next generation is sharing with them this sense of, sorry for saying it this way, but it's the Rambam's words, obsession with Tvar Hashem, that you want to be constantly surrounded by it, constantly speaking about it, constantly involved in, in, in discussions about Tvar Hashem, just like Jason, when you and I meet on the street, you come up to me and you ask me a question about something in the shir, or something on the daf, or something in, in the parsha. It just like happens when I speak with any of you. Because that's what we're obsessed with. We're obsessed with Tvar Hashem. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> and the second, the Bayim Shemua, is about passing that obsession on to your kids so they should be obsessed. And the way to do it is not only for you to be totally driven by Tvar Hashem, but to share that drive, share that excitement with your kids. We have really one thing left to do and then to bring it all together. If you, um, if you take a look here at the, la- at the second to last source, you'll see at the very end of the, near the end of the Torah, during part of the bri- many britot that happened there, after the parsha of Tshuva, um, Moshe says the following, And again, this mitzvah, meaning, according, according to many we've shown him, mitzvah zot means all the mitzvot, not just a particular thing. Ramban says it's the mitzvah of tshuva. Lo he. This mitzvah is not way far away. Lo It's not on the other side of the river. Ki karov elacha davar meod. And now you see the words. Beficha uvilvavcha la'asotom. Watch how Moshe Rabbeinu brings Shemot and Dvarim together. The words of Hashem are very close to you in your mouth and in your mind, in your speech and in your thought to do them. Notice, Beficha, that's the tefillin of Shmot. Bilvavcha, that's the tefillin of Sefer Dvarim. In other words, 
at the embryonic stage, we have one topic, and that is Yitziat Mitzrayim. And all the things that immediately come from that, the Korban Pesach, Rosh Chodesh, etc., the Nisan, the beginning of the year. And so we speak about it. We're not yet ready to have <clears throat> fun. By the time we get to Sefer Dvarim, we're able to, to as a more mature person with a greater uh, field of information, to have it sit, to sit in our minds and think about it, and, and mull about it, and, and ruminate about it. And now at the very end, what does Moshe say? These words are very close to you. Keep them in your mouth and keep them in your heart. Simu levavchem, as Moshe says, even a little later than this. But teach this song to Bnei Israel by heart, but put it in their mouth. So those two pieces come together. And include, you take a look at one of the Masechtot Tanot, you know, the ninth century Masechtot that were that were compiled and we have together in the, the, it's, the minor tractates, they call it. The beginning of Masechet Tfilin, Parakal, there's actually one parak to, to, to um, it's kind of like Sefer Ovadia, there's one parak to Masechet Tfilin, but towards the end of that parak, Kachaya Rebel Yezer Omer, Gdolahi Mitzvah Tfilin, the Tfilin is a very big mitzvah, why? Shekach Amar Kadosh Baruch Yisrael, what did Hashem say? What did Hashem say to Yoshua? You have to speak the words of Torah day and night. Turn Hashem and says, "Are you kidding? How can we possibly speak twenty-four hours a day, Torah? What do we all, we got to do other things?" What Hashem say? Put tefillin on your head and on your arms. I will consider it as <clears throat> and hogim here plays two ways. Speaking the words of Torah and thinking the words of Torah day and night. Shnemar, watch this. And so we roll back to the very first parsha that we saw, and the mechilta that says, if you are wearing tefillin, you're ex- you're if you're studying, you're exempt from tefillin because the whole purpose of tefillin is for you to be totally engaged in Torah. What tefillin is, and this is something for a different shear. We have to talk about how tefillin manifests this. But what tefillin is, is a, co- a focal point for our connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Torah. And if you think about it, where we put tefillin on our arm, facing our heart, and where we put tefillin on our head, are the seats of thought and commitment. And so in Shmot, the focal point is somewhat embryonic and somewhat, somewhat external. That the words of Torah should be in your mouth. By the time we get to Dvarim, the mention of, of Tefillin is about Torah being in your heart. And the reason for the two parshiot and Shemot is one of them is God's command to you, and one of them is you have to pass that command on to your son. In Shema and Vayim Shemot, it's the same exact thing. In Shema, Moshe is telling us this is what you do to demonstrate your commitment and connection and obsession with Tvar Hashem. And in Vayim Shemot, this is what you must present to your son to make sure that he also sees that that way, and then, of course, he will pass it on to the next generation, to his son. So we've uh, taken a look at the Arab Parshiot of Tefillin and hopefully gotten some sense of uh, understanding of why there are the four Parshiot, and why Chazal were not willing to say, oh, there's four Batim because there's four Parshiot, because they saw these four Parshiot as effectively presenting two, uh, four different messages 
with parallels between one and two and three and four, and one and three and two and four. And that may be part of the issue of the big machloket about Havayopa Emsar Kasidran and the order in which the parshiot go about how they're really matched. But that's uh, for Shir another time. Again, we were studying in memory of Shmuel Yaakov and Avram Yitzchak, our dear friend, Dr. Sam Smith. Yehi Baruch.